0: Hey everyone, did you think it was gonna be different? Well, so did I. What I've learned is that I'm not your typical daughter, mom, ex-wife, business owner, or maybe I am, but I just don't know it because no one talks about it. We are all too busy with a bunch of different balls in the air to take time to process, well, just about anything. But that is all gonna change with this tribe. Ladies, I'm one of you. I've been there and done that, and we don't need to go through it alone. Will we be practical? Yep. Will we be goofy? Absolutely. Will we swear? You bet your sweet ass. By the way, little secret, this is not gonna be the podcast you wanna listen to in the van with your kids. So ladies, slip on your heels, cause we all feel more powerful in heels. Grab your wine, cause it's five o'clock somewhere. And let's dive into Not Your 1950s Housewife with me, Gina Seminary. Hey, everybody. I hope you are having a great week. Uh, it is Thursday yet again, and we are excited to have a new guest on the podcast. I would like to introduce Dr. Judy Butler. Uh, Judy actually was introduced to me by one of my friends who I had previously recorded with. And it turns out Judy's a certified pastoral psychotherapist in private practice, and she consults with counsels and coaches, adult children of aging parents, really members of the sandwich generation, caregivers, and senior adults interested in creating a legacy experience through the second half and end-of-life planning. After personally enduring the trauma, stress, and frustration of dealing with the healthcare and nursing home system, she created the guardian's gift in memory of her father, Harvey Hill, who died on December 26th of 2018. Welcome, Dr. Judy Butler. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm excited to have you. And like we were just talking about, you can tell by Judy's accent, we are not in the same location. Um, I am in upstate New York and Rochester right now. And although we are recording this in April, um, April 10th to be exact, there is snow on my ground right now. Um, Judy is in North Carolina and you said you were getting some interesting weather as well too, correct? (laughs)
1: That's correct. We've got high winds, and uh, the weather forecast is calling for much cooler temperatures, but no snow, thank God. I was going to
0: say, what's much cooler to you?
1: 37. Oh my gosh, that is cold! <laughs> and uh, But the flowers are in bloom, but the winds are extremely high, so they're calling for possible power outages this afternoon. Oh my goodness.
0: Yikes. Well, you know, nothing like getting ready for Easter with all this interesting weather while we are all homebound. <laughs>
1: That's true. That's true.
0: So we're actually going to touch on that topic in a minute. But before we do, I've got to ask you, what is a pastoral
1: psychotherapist? A pastoral psychotherapist is first and foremost a pastor. I am ordained. I'm an ordained minister who has a degree, further education in psychotherapy. So it's using a combination of those things to help people deal with just life.
0: Hmm which is actually ironic because i feel like a lot of people are dealing with different feelings and how to navigate life literally right now in light of you know the coronavirus pandemic that we're all dealing with and you know i said something to my one of my friends just you know about a week or so ago in jest about how you know we're all going to need therapists and one of the best careers that you could be in coming on the back end of this is going to be you know any sort of therapist or you know psychotherapist or any set of counseling degree and I kind of laughed at it but then thought about it later like I do feel as though there's going to definitely need to be um, some support and how to navigate all of this on the back end of what everybody's learning to you know navigate with regards to their new normal how have you kind of experienced that or have you given any thought to that
1: oh yeah um, all of my clients my current clients um, I've seen an increase in their anxiety levels. And of course, because of the uh, shelter in place or the lockdown, if you will, um, I've had to convert to uh, working remotely and actually working from Zoom. the Zoom platform is the, my platform of choice, but actually doing video conferencing with people. So um, you know, even psychotherapy, therapists, counselors, life coaches, we're all having to navigate this as well. And um, a lot of people are not actually, I guess, adept or at using technology. So we're having to step up our game on our end, which increases our anxiety level. Uh, but people are just actually very nervous. Um, upset, worried, concerned, afraid, all of those negative words that people are feeling, their emotions are more disbelief. It's like, is this really happening? And how is this happening? And where is it happening? And what's going on? And so there's, even though we get news, and let me caution people, please don't watch too much news, please don't do too much Facebook, Um, go outside get some fresh air enjoy the snow Um, (laughs) thanks (laughs) Uh, but it's just amazing that people are so just in a state of disbelief I guess that's the best example or you know terminology that I can think of it's like well the flowers are blooming it's springtime aren't we supposed to be out enjoying life and doing easter egg hunts and those sorts of things and yes we are uh, but then it's like, well, but I can't do it because I have to stay six feet away from everybody else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, so the, the biggest thing I think is instead of considering the disbelief or the concern or the worry, this is the time to start with an appreciation journal, a gratitude journal. Start writing down daily, you know, what are you appreciative for? What, what are you grateful for? Um, the fact that maybe you do have a house, a place to shelter, Um, you've got, maybe you've got food, maybe you're a little slow on the toilet paper there, but uh, you know, maybe you've got family and friends that you can call and check on or that are calling and checking on you. There are lots of things we can do um, to dispel that feeling of worry and concern.
0: But I think you did hit a very important point right out of the gate with this. Is that the news in social media can be smothering, and Absolutely. it is constantly changing. So it's this weird, like you know, people love reality television, and we're somewhat like the main actors in it right now because every day you turn on the news, and whether it's six o'clock or six thirty, or you know, here in my hometown, the superintendent does a Facebook Live every Wednesday from six thirty to seven thirty. Like the news and the information we're getting is always constantly changing. And then there's everybody's perceptions and opinions on what is going to happen, which I think just, you know, can be extremely overwhelming. And I love the fact that you say that because I, you know, I've, I've told a few people, like I'm trying to be blissfully unaware and I, I am very proud of it because when I turn on the news, it is just so depressing and so overwhelming. And yeah, even though you show me a cute dog at the end of the news broadcast, it doesn't like wipe away all the other stuff that you told me that now has caused me to feel anxious. Um, when I was in complete control. And it's it's funny because I, I've been thinking this and I don't know if you agree, but like kind of control your controllables. Right. Like instead oh, of absolutely. the news, put on music. Or instead of, like you said, instead of staying inside if the weather's nice or snowing, go out and make snow angels, right? Like take advantage of what you can if you can.
1: Is that a good theory? Oh, absolutely. And then be appreciative, reflect on it. Reflect on what you've just done that was enjoyable so that you're not reflecting on, you know, the things that maybe you think you're missing out on because I don't think we're really missing as much as we really have been convinced that we are. Mm. It's just that it's a change and people don't like change. So when we have to make a change or we feel like we're being forced to, we have to grumble and gripe and complain and instead of going, Oh, well, okay, I got to change now. How can I change for the better? What can I do that is fun? What can I change that will make me happy and bring me peace? And you know, watching TV, watching the news, it does change. It changes from moment to moment, and that brings back that uncertainty. That brings back that fear. Well, okay, I thought I had things under control, at least for the moment, but now they've changed it. And now I have it's gonna last two more weeks or or, or I can't go to to this bar or to that gym or to this salon. So I, I don't, you know, there's just be grateful, find what you can be grateful for and reflect on that.
0: That's funny because I try and meditate daily and I've been gravitating towards my grateful meditations because I do feel like you can get overwhelmed by everything. And if you can just stay focused on those things. And so I think right now it's kind of, well, it, it can be harder than, than usual for me to find things to be grateful for. Um, just because so much is changing, but I absolutely love that. Like even writing it down, um, because it's fine. I mean, I've got two kids, right. And I'm now homeschooling them while working from home, which in and of itself is (laughs) taxing. Um, but I could understand how some people through all this might just feel like they are failing or they can't, you know, do things to the best of their ability because they're spread so thin. Um, And just stopping to be thankful for some of, you know, even the small things, um, I think is a really, really great point. And when you also mentioned change, like, as you were saying that I was thinking, you know, I've always prided myself as being someone who can tolerate change and accommodate change. Um, and it's funny when all this happened, even I was like, what is going on with my life right now? Like I can't, nothing resembles what my life used to resemble in say February, um, And I feel like this is an interesting exercise for anybody who is not, you know, someone who enjoys change because whether you do or you don't, this did not discriminate. Everybody's life has been changed. um, And it's just kind of navigating how you can deal with it the best.
1: You know, I think one of the things that's interesting about your podcast today in this time period we're in, it's, you know, not your 1950s housewife. (laughs) And I think that's just apropos for today, for this time period. Because if we would look back maybe and think about what did the 1950s housewife, how did she handle change? What did she look like? What was she doing? You know, coming out of World War II, how did people adjust? They, there was a, you know, shutdown period of life, if you will, uh, during that time. And what were these women like? What, what can our mothers and grandmothers teach us? Um, and this might be a time just to have a conversation. I'm big on conversations as a therapist. And so I think, have a conversation. Talk to your mom, talk to your grandmother if you still have them. Right. If you don't, talk to somebody, an elderly person that maybe can give you some perspective and say, well, you know, back when we had Victory Gardens, um, this is what we did and this is how we did things. And you, you may not want to go there exactly, you know, and do it, but you could learn something about what they thought and what they felt and how they adjusted to these kinds of changes.
0: Yeah, I do think that's a great point. And as we've evolved over decades and, you know, generations life has sometimes gotten, we would say easier with technology and all the different resources we have at our disposal. But, um, maybe just in that we've gotten really comfortable with not having to change, right? And if we do have to change, we're in control of it. So when we tap back into those, you know, that 1950s housewife you were mentioning, right, there wasn't all of that technology and they probably had to deal with change a little bit differently. And, and you know, I find it interesting, like there was no Zoom meetings, like everybody wasn't texting about it. There was no Instagram where we all posted about our feelings. So that'd be a great, kind of exercise to be able to tap into someone at that time and be like, how did you feel and how did you deal with it?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that would just be huge. And, you know, you accomplish a couple of different things with that. Not only do you ease your own fears and take your attention off of the current situation because you're focusing on the past, but you're also providing an outlet for that elderly person to you know, to sit and chat about what they did and what they were good at and what they thought and what they felt. And it's just, that's huge these days. Do you think there's something
0: happening at our subconscious level that we might not even be aware of, you know,
1: while we're all navigating through this experience? Oh, absolutely. I think this is resetting our nervous system. It's reset. Our unconscious is actually in more control than we believe that it is. Hmm. Um, We all think we're in such control. And it's hilarious to me when technology doesn't work. uh, You know, like I said, we have high winds here. There's a possibility of power outages. And then people scramble. I'll be scrambling. Okay, it's going to be dark. I got to get a flashlight. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? How am I going to cook or make sandwiches, whatever? Um, But it's going to be interesting, you know, if the weather changes like it has for you, it's cold, you've got snow, this is April, what is up with that? Right. Uh, so, so then it's about, you know, figuring out that we're really not in control. Yeah. We really are not. I think as a, as a pastor, I think spirit has a lot to do with where we are and what we're going through. And I just, I think, you know, we are in such denial about what we think we can control Hmm. so you know take a moment take a meditate take a few moments have a conversation with your kids about what it is they're supposed to be learning and uh, how you're supposed to be teaching them Uh, I think it's just interesting that spirits moving I think our unconscious is guiding us if we would allow it to, if we would sit and meditate, if we would be grateful. I think that good things can come to us instead of all the negativity and fear.
0: Well, and that's interesting you tied in like the younger generation because, you know, I'm trying to do my part to make sure they don't get too nervous or too anxious. I don't turn on the news when they're around. Like I'm basically giving them what they need to know in small little doses, which really is like, you're, you're out of school for another two weeks and I'm teaching you, <laughs> Um, but just making sure like I, I can't wait to see the, you know, counseling studies and therapy studies that are gonna come out of this with regards to like me in my 40s or my kids, you know, who are in, you know, primary school, right? Like what this does to everybody on the back end, you know, um, with different, you know, studies that they'll do. Um, whether it's, you know, PTSD or how people's lives changed or whatnot. I think that's going to be fascinating to see. Um, But but for whatever reason, sometimes when I'm in the midst of all this, I stop and think like, hmm, 10 years from now, what what are people going to be reading about what we did or how we handled it? Or, you know, kind of like 9-11 with the towers, right? No one knew what was happening when people were running in, but now we've got hindsight and you can see what happened, right? Like, is there going to be something like that for coronavirus that we don't know right now, but you just you really don't know, so you just kind of do the best you can. And like you said, we are not in control. I think this is God and Mother Nature kind of getting together, giggling a little bit <laughs> with the snow thing, going ha, "Ha ha!" We'll give them some snow too while they're at it.
1: Uh, maybe they'll make a snowman. Um, but well, one of the things I'd like to to say here is that you know I know people are trying to protect their children. <clears throat> And, um, you know, give them little bits and doses of it as they can. Well, one thing I can promise is that children are very, very smart and very intuitive. And they know, even little children, even two, three-year-olds, they know inside of their bodies that something is going on. They notice the change. Well, all of a sudden, you know, mom and dad or everybody's at home now. They used to go to work. Why are they not going to work? Mm-hmm. And they're smart, you know, and they're intuitive. So I think whether or not we realize it, we have, you know, the ability to sit and talk about it with children and little, little doses, like you said, but they understand more than we give them credit for. And they all have fear. Well, why? And and the thing is, why is mom or dad not going to work? What is that about? And children have a capacity to actually create a story. Human beings do that, but children are great at it. They will create a story and fill in the gaps if they don't know what's going on. Mm. So people think a lot of times that they're doing uh, you know, this great thing by protecting, I use air quotes around that, mm-hmm. their children by not discussing this with them or trying to shield them. And I would say that's exactly the wrong thing, because you know they have the ability to understand. you just have to explain it in their terms in a language that they can get because if you don't tell them the truth, if you keep the truth from them, they will create a story to fill in those gaps. Hmm.
0: That's a great that's a great um, suggestion. I guess I never really thought about it that way. Um, and I like that you used like even, as young as two and three, right? Because they do notice patterns and just shifts in patterns. Um, So you'd suggest, you know, being able to communicate with them at some level that they can, you know, so they don't fill in the gaps, like you said, and create their own story, give it to them that, you know, is appropriate for their age.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So if we think about, you know, that younger generation and then go all the way to the other end of the spectrum, Right. Um, interestingly enough, when this whole thing happened, one of the things my dad said, now my dad is in his early 70s, is thank god grandma's not around for this. Now my grandmother passed away about two years ago, and I think she was about 94, or 95. Um, <clears throat> and through you know, the last few years of her life, um she lived at home. She refused to go into a nursing home or home health care. Um, she did have, you know, five kids, one of whose my father. Um, and two of them lived in her hometown. My dad then lived closest after that. So he was the third closest and the other three didn't live, you know, extremely close at all, but they all, those that were local pitched in to take care of him or to take care of her, um, over the past few years before she passed away. Um, it sounds to me like you've had an experience with this, with your father
1: as well. Absolutely. Yes. Um, My father was in a nursing home when he passed away. And just dealing with the healthcare system and dealing with the nursing home system um, can be a nightmare. And I don't know that there's a way necessarily for people to uh, be fully prepared because it's such a negative thing to think about having to either put someone in a nursing home or to have to go there yourself as an elderly person. And we don't really think about all the different options that are possible because what happens is people wait until they're in crisis mode. Um, Mom or dad may have fallen and and ended up in the hospital or they get sick and they, they end up in the hospital and the hospital says, well, your parent or your grandparent or whoever this loved one is, cannot go home and stay by themselves. And that's typically what happens. And then they look at you and they say, well, we'll give you a caseworker to help you navigate this and find a place for them to go. But there are lots of options other than that. And there are lots of other things that we don't consider. We don't consider the financial, we don't consider the spiritual, we don't consider the physical. Our immediate, what happens to us immediately is we go into crisis mode. We go into, how can I solve this immediate problem? And then we don't really give as much thought to how this is going to work out long term. Now, with my father, he had dementia and his behavior had changed to a point where He couldn't stay at home because my mother, who was 85, was the caregiver. Hmm. And she actually was becoming worn down. And this happens frequently. I see this all the time in elderly couples. One will need care and the other will be the caregiver. But they both end up failing uh, either health, mental, spiritual, financial. And one then passes But the other one who was the caregiver sometimes passes first and or usually very soon thereafter. So with my dad, we had to uh, make some decisions, you know, and of course, as an adult child, I've questioned myself several times since then about did I make the right choices. But they were the only choices I felt like, like everybody else. I was in crisis mode. Those were the choices available at that moment. So navigating that entire system and um my parents were are very poor they had their wills made they had their health care power of attorney but they didn't have any other plans in place we had not talked about what it meant for my dad to have dementia and to either be able to stay at home or go into a nursing home or skilled care facility so People don't make those plans. People do not like talking about death and dying right? because we're superstitious. And we think if we talk about it, we're going to make it happen. And I got news for you. We're going to make it happen. No, we're not. But we're all going to die. right? So, and it's not anything we like to talk about. We don't like to hear about it. But if we would approach it differently, if we would approach it from the the regard that you know, maybe we do have some choices. Let's look at this and let's talk about it. And people, the couples, the families, the elderly people that I've worked with around this, when they sit down and talk about it and they can laugh about what kind of celebration of life would they like to have? What kind of funeral service do they wanna have? And they can actually have input into that. It makes it so much better for the family members later. When we can put all this in place and decide up front how things will go, even to the point of, well, what song do you want sung? And a lot of people say, well, I'm going to be dead. It doesn't really matter to me. And I'm like, but it does because you love these people that are left behind. So what would you like for them to hear? Mm -hmm. What words do you think? How do you know them? And what words do you know that would comfort them? What things can you do? and take off of their shoulders? What decisions can you make now that will remove that burden later? So I created the guardian's gift in honor of my dad. That's
0: what I was gonna ask you. So how does that come into play?
1: Well, um, during the process, I began keeping notebooks with different, various different information in it. Hmm. Um, you know, about who I would talked to, what doctors, what they'd said, because I'm kind of that detail-oriented person. And um, I like organization. So at the end of that, I ask myself, what could have made this better for me? I was very selfish. Uh, What could have made it better for me? What could have made it better for my brother? What could have made it better for my mom? And so out of that, and as a pastor, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of senior adults and their family members. And it's always that way. There's this dichotomy of, families that have everything organized and planned and those families that don't. And my family fell in the don't category. Mm -hmm. Um, And you would have thought I would have being a pastor, but I didn't. But I learned that people need help having the conversations with their family members. And I've run into so many families that fuss and fight and argue. And so as a therapist, you know, I'm able to step into that. But it was all about making sure that nobody else goes through what I went through.
0: So is it kind of like a workbook that you work in or work through at, you know, I guess I want to say like a certain point in time, but that would be probably too late. But is it kind of like a, I guess a workbook is the best word I could use for it. That's going to help someone go through, like, here are the questions you should talk about. Here are the things that you should think about, like write down your wishes. Is it something like that?
1: Well, actually, um, you know, there's lots of stuff out there, um, but there it's sort of piecemeal. Um, different different groups or different companies or different uh, organizations offer some of this, but they only offer like, um, you know, what you should know about a will, or what you should know about a healthcare power attorney, or what you should know about legal documents, and they take care of that part. And then there's another group that'll take care of, well, what do you need to know about financial stuff? Mm-hmm. And let me just say, people don't know what they need to know about the finances for their senior adults. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that up front. So, this is, yes, it is a workbook, but up until this point um, of the coronavirus, I've actually been working one on one with families. So, I actually go in and ask the questions and record the information. But I also added in a a legacy, what I call a time capsule piece. And I actually go and start with their birth. And I go, okay, grandpa, grandma, you know, tell me about what what it was like when you were a kid. Mm. And I record their stories. And I say, what was it like when you went to school? What did you play? A sport? Were you in band? Were you an art major? Were you a drama major? Tell me about, you know, your first love. Tell me about your first car. And, you know, I record their history. I record their stories. Then we reach a point in time where we make a pivot and we talk about, okay, what have you got in place? What have you thought about? And inevitably, I've run into so many examples where people think they have things in order. Um, I was working with a couple the other day and the lady said to me, well, I don't have a will. And I said, well, you need a will. You've been married before. He's been married before. you got children. You know, you need to have a will. She said, well, I did have a will. I said, well, okay. I said, when did you have a will? She said, well, I had a will when I was married before. (laughs) And I said, well, who's the executor of that will? She said, well, that was my ex-husband. I was like, well, do you think your current husband is going to enjoy having your ex-husband take care of your last will and testament? And she was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I guess we need to get a new will, huh? And she's like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. So people don't just don't think about this stuff. No. Um, so there's all these examples. I go in and I say, well, let's look at your financial situation. And people are very peculiar about money. When you start talking about money, they're like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, okay, well, let's talk about it from a uh, broad perspective. And then we narrow it down as we go. But I ask all these questions. I record their stories. I record the information. And at the end, I actually have a book, as you, if you will, that has everything in it, all the way from the birth through I plan their end of life service. We go A to Z all the way. But what has happened because of the coronavirus and people being, you know, sheltered in place, I have quickly put together um, an online way to do this. And so I am ready to launch that. And I'm going to ask today for your your listeners' help with that.
0: And that's what I was, okay, so let me take a step back. I absolutely love the time capsule idea. Like huh? going back, um, because as you're saying this, you know, I'm just thinking, wow, all those stories I no longer have of my you know my grandmother. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't even know if my dad knows them, right? Like oh. these things are gonna lose with these generations that pass. So I absolutely love it. And I don't know how you do it, but it'd be even cooler like, especially with this online version, not that I'm already going to give you some, you know, suggestions, but it'd be so not that my 94 year old grandmother would have logged online and and done this, but in my perfect world that I live in, um, if it could be in their voice, like literally their voice, that'd be the coolest thing. Um, but either way, if it couldn't like being able to pass on those stories, I think is huge. Um, and I did notice, you know, on some of the information that you provided me to, to before is that, You do have an online version, but it said beta testing. So how can we help you?
1: Well, I'd like to um, give away for free to the first 20 people who email me and agree that they will test this out, this online version, and give me some feedback and suggestions. Uh, This this is a $30,000 gift because when somebody works with me one-on-one, that's what it costs. Because there's a I have a videographer and we video the interview of me talking to them with their stories and so it is in their voice. Um, and that you know, people the family has this a keepsake of them on video. So for 20 people who will email me and agree to to test it out, um, they will be the very first ones to to have access to this. But I'd also like to give an, a gift as well uh, that accompanies this. It's called 12 Expensive Mistakes Made by Senior Adults and Their Families that saves people thousands of dollars. It saves them hours of frustration of having to go to this agency and that agency. So I will give that free to every listener if they'll just email me and let me know they want it. So
0: that's important. Let's pass along your email, which is judy at com. Life. Um, so, you know, you've got, everybody's got that email. Um, and then with regards to your website, which is butlercounselingsolutions.com, if you go forward slash guardians dash gift forward slash, you'll be able to get more information on kind of how that works, but definitely make sure you email Judy, um, so that she knows I actually just wrote this down because I feel like I want to have my dad do this. Right? like I know they have all these things. And when he was helping with my grandmother, um, you know, as he was helping her, I think he was taking notes of, oh my gosh, I have to do this. And granted, he's in his early 70s and, you know, in great health. Um, but as we were talking about these stories that, you know, might possibly be lost with my grandmother, like I don't want that to happen with my parents. So, and I bet you half those stories, I don't even know. If you're asking those questions, I don't know what their first car was. I don't know if my dad played any instruments, or I mean, I think he did, but if he played sports like all these things I don't know all I know with regards to my mom is that she walked uphill both ways with barefoot to school every day like that's what she always (laughs) says and I'm like okay mom I get your point like you had it bad but (laughs) um but the factual stuff I don't know so I actually just wrote this down and I wrote dad like exclamation point because he's retired and he's got nothing but time um so I feel like they'd be perfect for this um But as you've been talking, I can't help but think one thing, right? We've kind of covered a ton of different topics um, from, you know, the coronavirus and how that's impacting people. Um, Then we talked about, you know, the younger generation, and how to educate them on things. Then we went all the way to the older generation. And I think the bottom line is no matter how much we want to think we are, we just aren't in control. We aren't in control of the virus. We aren't in control of how, um, You know, the news that's being passed along to us, we're in control of what we listen to, but um, we're not in control of how long the the virus is going to take. We're not in control of when we're going to pass away. Um, So, you know, I guess being able to be as prepared as possible um, with some of these things, I think is going to really calm a lot of people down. Well,
1: I think you're right. We are not in control of those things, but there are things we are in control of. And we're in control of taking the, you know, the next step of, of writing things down, yep. of getting it organized. We are in control of, believe it or not, our thoughts. Um, our thoughts can zoom in there and we can go, oh, my God, the world's going to end. And then we can go, wait a minute. I don't have to think that way let me go outside and look at the flowers and see that these flowers are going to bloom again next year and the next year and the next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's about taking control over the things that we can. Yep.
0: Like I said, control your controllables.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, this has been awesome. I appreciate you taking
0: time out of your, uh, what might be a very windy afternoon (laughs) to chat with us. Um, and for everybody who's listening, we did give out Judy's email earlier, which is Judy at butlercounselingsolutions.com. Um, but also you can find her on Instagram um, at butlercounseling. But wait, I said it wrong. Butler, I think you might actually have it in here wrong. Is it Butler Counseling Consulting. Ah, okay. It came in a little wrong. Okay. Butler Counseling Consulting, (laughs) but she's on Instagram. I uh, started following her a few days ago. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your day again today, Judy. And like I said, stay healthy, stay warm, and hopefully you uh, continuously have power throughout the evening.
1: Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. God bless you. God bless all your listeners. And thank you all.
0: Uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, Tribe. Thanks for tuning in today. I hoped you loved these few minutes you got to separate from your tactical life to do something for yourself. Of course, we're on iTunes, but Instagram is our place of choice. Follow us there, listen to past episodes, or DM me at Gina Seminary. Make sure you kick some ass today. Love you.